morning. Happy New Year. It's great being with you. Great celebrating the Lord's table to sing with you, study God's word with you. So look forward to um, to that. Have been look forwarding. Have I know what I was trying to say and it just didn't come out of my mouth. I have been looking forward to being with you today. That's all I'm trying to say. Let's pray and we're going to look in the word. God, you're good. Thank you so much for your loving kindness to us. Thank you for what we've been able to remember. And Lord, as we continue even uh, this morning this theme of remembrance, I pray that um, our minds would be quick and our hearts would be submissive, that uh, we might, through your spirit, as your children, be inclined to acting upon what we know and what we remember. Lord God, I pray for our church this coming year. I pray for what it, what you would have our church to be and to do in the time that remains. We eagerly anticipate the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. If that's today, well then, we're ecstatic. Not because we simply want to get out of this place and escape difficulties that we're currently in, but so that we could be with God, that we could worship him uh, in his presence. Lord, we could be done with this sinful body that we can really go home. So God, as we look forward to to that day, we also remember what we've been called from. And we remember our own history. And we bring to mind that which well, you've preserved for us in your word. So God, may we grow in Christ's likeness. May we grow in our love for your word and our love for one another. Again, thank you for this opportunity to study your word in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, as I just prayed, uh, and as you heard Pastor Steve lead in communion this morning, uh, you've heard a phrase twice preserved in 1 Corinthians 11, this do in remembrance of me. Maybe this past week you took some time to do some remembering of your own to reflect on 2021, whatever it is that that God had for you. Um, The 365 days that you lived, what changed, what didn't change. Perhaps you tried to remember those Resolutions you made at the beginning of 2021 and whether or not you kept them. Perhaps you reflected on the goals. Goals accomplished, goals not accomplished. Today, it's not going to be an exhaustive study, but it is going to be a study on the word remember or remembrance in the Bible. Now, the word remember is actually used probably 250 different times. In the Bible. In the Old Testament, there's really one Hebrew word for it. In the New Testament, there's several words that are very similar to one another. And what we're going to do this morning is really we're going to be looking at how that word is used. We're not going to be looking at every example, obviously, but we're going to be looking at how that word is used and then really make some practical applications to why this word occurs, where it does, and how it does. 
Okay, I know word studies may not have been on your agenda when you came this morning. And I know it's not typical that what we, what we normally do here is we take a passage of Scripture and we just kind of work our way through the thoughts of it. And I promise you, we will move back to that form of Bible study here in our Sunday morning service. But for today, we're going to do a word study on the word remember. Okay, so we're going to start in Exodus chapter 2. Exodus chapter 2. And just kind of laying out what you can expect for this morning, we're going to look at a handful of passages. So it will, ex- uh, it will require of you to be turning uh, to multiple passages. Now, for some of you, that may be difficult because of your unfamiliarity with the Bible. And that's fine. If you have a device, you can simply just Google the Bible reference. It'll come up real quick. Or what you can do is you can look at the front. If you have a hard copy of the Bible, you can look at the table of contents and find the book. For some of you, this is going to be very easy, and so you'll be able to nimbly go from one place to the next. Good for you. Happy for you. Not everyone's there. So I want to be mindful of all parties involved. But we're going to start towards the beginning of the Bible in Exodus chapter 2. So Exodus 2 and verses 23 and 24. Now it came about in the course of those many days that the king of Egypt died, and the sons of Israel sighed because of their bondage, and they cried out, and their cry for help because of their bondage rose up to God. So God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The most common use of the word remember in the Old Testament is what you see here. And it is a mindfulness or a command to be mindful of existing covenants or promises. And that's what God's doing here. He's being mindful of a covenant or a promise that he's been made. This could be a divine mindfulness, in this case God, or it could be a human mindfulness. Okay? Let's look at the New Testament. Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, look at verse 8. But Jesus, aware of this, said, You men of little faith, why do you discuss among yourselves that you have no bread? Do you not yet understand or remember the five loaves of the 5,000 or how many baskets full you picked up? You see, in the New Testament, the most common use of the word remember is bringing to mind previous conditions, either those times of blessings or times of pain. Okay? That might be the picture, that might be the definition of remember that you kind of come to mind, or that comes to your mind readily. You know, bringing to mind previous conditions, either times of blessing or times of pains. And, and in the New Testament, this is also used in the context of failing to remember. And you kind of see that here in this passage, where Jesus asks them, don't you remember? You know, you're, you're complaining about you don't have any bread, or you're wondering where bread's going to come from. Don't you remember what I just did? Okay. Let's look at Revelation chapter 18. Revelation chapter 18. I told you we're going to be turning to several passages, so 
That's not a bad thing. It's just a thing. You know, if you expected to sit and listen, well, you've got to move your hands now, too. It's all right. Revelation 18, the last book of the New Testament. Look at verse 4. I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, so that you will not participate in her sins and receive of her plagues, for her sins have piled up as high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. In this passage, we see the word remember used as a mindfulness of sins against God or his people. Okay? A mindfulness, or in some cases, a command to be mindful of the sins that have been committed against God or his people. We won't look there, but in Jeremiah chapter 15, Jeremiah invokes God to remember those iniquities that have been made against him so that God would mete out judgment. Okay? So again, this mindfulness against or of sins against God. Let's look at Psalm chapter 25. Psalm 25. Look at verse 6. And actually, we're going to be looking at verses 6 and 7, and we're going to be seeing two different uses of the same word. Verse 6. Remember, O Lord, your compassion and your loving kindnesses, for they have been from old. In this verse, the word remember is used as a mindfulness of God's character and attributes especially by God himself. Notice here, the psalm writer is not asking the reader to remember them. The psalm writer is asking God to remember them. And then we look at verse 7. Do not remember the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your loving kindness, remember me for your goodness sake, O Lord. We see a different use of the word remember in that it was an intentional act of mercy or it was a request for God to show mercy by not remembering. Okay? Do not remember the sins of my past. Let's look at Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. And verse 8. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. In this circumstance, it's not as if the nation of Israel was forgetting what day it was in their calendar. No, in this circumstance, the word remember 
is a consecration or a setting of something apart. Okay? Remember the Sabbath day. Set the Sabbath day apart. Okay? Let's look at 1 Samuel chapter 1. First Samuel 1, and actually the word remember is used in two different verses here in this chapter, and it's used in, in the same way. In 1 Samuel 1, we're going to look at verse 11 and then verse 19. So this is a passage about Hannah, who is childless. And so in verse 11, where it says, she made a vow, it's talking about Hannah. She made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and a razor shall never come on his head. And then in verse 19... Then Hannah and her husband rose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord and returned again to the house of Ramah. And Elkanah had relations with Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. Okay, so the word in, in verse 11, the word in verse 19, basically used the same way. And it's used as an intentional act of grace, not necessarily related to any covenant promises. Earlier we looked in Exodus chapter 2 where it said God remembered the covenant that he made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as he was dealing with the nation of Israel being persecuted under Egypt. This is not that. There's no prearranged agreement or covenant that had been made with Hannah. There was no guarantee. And yet we see God remembering her in that he bestowed his grace upon her to have a child. We won't look there, but another way of God using the word remember is giving attention with the goal of instruction and sometimes warning. You remember that very short verse in Luke chapter 17, remember Lot's wife. It wasn't as if they forgot or that they were simply to bring her to mind, but rather they were to be instructed and sometimes being warned of the consequences of forgetting. And then finally, Nehemiah chapter 5. Nehemiah chapter 5. Okay. And we're going to look in verse 19. Nehemiah chapter 5 and verse 19. Nehemiah says this, Remember me, O my God, for good, according to all that I have done for this people. In this circumstance, the word remember is being used as a request made to God for him to bring to mind, and you're seeing that theme, a bringing to mind, a mindfulness, a recalling, bringing to mind one's past or present obedience so as to affirm faithfulness and allegiance to God. 
In other words, maybe put more simply, God, remember what I've done and what I'm doing so that you know that I am faithful to you, that my allegiance is to you. Okay? So I've given you probably a lot to think about in the context of the word remember. And I don't expect you to remember, har, 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 all of the ways that this word is used. However, I do want you to take from this something very interesting. And that is this. Do you know that in the 250 plus times that the word remember occurs in the Bible, the majority of the usage, either the command to remember or the instance of remembering, the majority relates to God and his activity. Not man. Certainly, man is commanded to remember. But think about that. In regards to the use of the word remember, God is asked to remember more than any other character. And he is most often described as remembering. Now, because God is omniscient, he's all-knowing, right? And he's omnipotent, he's all-powerful, he doesn't have a problem with forgetfulness. He has never forgotten anything ever. Okay? When I make a request of him, he doesn't say, oh, that's right. I mean, I forget what to get at the store. Oh, I forgot the eggs. I was just told it 15 minutes ago, and I have a little piece of paper that tells me what to get. I forget. God never forgets. He's not forgetful, if I could put it that way. The assumption, however, in our human experience, especially as we read God's word, the assumption can be, or from a human standpoint, it appears that God has forgotten. That he has forgotten his promises. That he has forgotten his children. That he has forgotten his character. And so when humans are told to remember, we acknowledge our tendency to forget. But what about God? I mean, these commands for God to remember, what is that? And I think what it is, it's really instructive for us, and more than just intellectually instructive, it's imperative for us to understand that the call to remember is a call to act on what is remembered. And that's one of the key things that I want you to take from this morning. A call to remember in the Bible, and I would go so far as to say biblically remembering, is more than just bringing to mind and feeling warm thoughts, or sad thoughts, or anxious thoughts, or joyful thoughts. No, a biblical definition of remembering, especially as we see God, remembering is a call to action. Man appealing to God for him to remember was man appealing for God to act. 
Thus, when we read, for example, Psalm twenty-two twenty-seven, all of the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. Or we read in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7, Remember those who led, you, who led you, who spoke the word of God to you, and considering the result of their conduct, imitate their faith. Okay? So a call to remember is a call to act. Okay? So how do we apply this? What does this actually look like in our life? Well, we do understand there's many reasons why it's so easy to forget. I mean, our fallen nature. I read recently one person say, as we grow older, we forget the things we want to remember, and we remember the things we want to forget. Isn't that true? All the things I wish I remember, so hard, you know, and the things that, boy, I really wish I'd forget. And they come back in stark relief. We also understand that we can pursue knowledge really for the wrong reasons. Why is it that we forget so easily? Because we gain new information, and gaining more information isn't always equal to gaining information for the right reasons. And so when we gain new information or more information, we can gain it really to puff ourselves up. And so we see the consequence of that in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, where knowledge puffs up, but love rather builds up. And when we're pursuing knowledge simply for the sake of knowledge or simply for the sake of puffing ourselves up, it shouldn't be any wonder that we forget so easily because the pursuit is getting more, not actually loving better. In fact, if the last two years are any indication, we probably know more as a society and love less as a society. So it's easy to forget. But when we look at what the Bible has to say about remembering, like I said, remembering is a calling to action. Then remembering what we've been taught would then lead to acting upon that truth. Remembering who we are in Christ would result then in living in agreement. I mean, everything that we sang this morning living in agreement with all that we attested to, being reminded of it. Remembering that you are a child of God and that you have a special place and privilege to call on him, that we as God's children can actually call on him and appeal to his character and ask him to act upon that. I can do that. I should do that. But then what about those things that we wish we could forget? What about those sins against others or perhaps the sins that others have had against us? At which point, I look at what we've done today in celebrating the Lord's table. Now stick with me for a bit because this isn't really a tangent, but I do think it is a more specific or a more, more precise application of this concept of remembering as a call to action. Okay, so stick with me here. When we think about communion, the Lord's table, we see that Jesus instituted this ordinance as something we should do to remember him. Right? This is my body which is broken for you. Remember that. This is my blood which was shed for you. Remember that. 
But in one way, and I don't know if your brain has ever worked this way. Maybe mine is just weird. In one way, are we supposed to think of this ordinance as Jesus doing this to remind us of all the mistakes we made? Like someone who keeps bringing up the mistakes of the past and letting, let, never letting you get past them? I mean, when Jesus says, do this in remember me, remembrance of me, is he saying, I'll forgive you, but you better not forget it. And I would say no. That's not what's going on here in this remembrance. As if we have this divine scoreboard that we're always losing. No. Jesus wants us to remember the sacrifice he made for our sins. A sacrifice that he did willingly and lovingly. But each time we celebrate, celebrate the Lord's table, we do this in remembrance of Christ. Not in remembrance of of me. Does that make sense? Okay, follow me. This do in remembrance of Christ. So as we come to the Lord's table, we think of Christ and we give thanks and we remember the great sacrifice made for the sins on our behalf. So what about those things we wish we could forget, either the sins of others or the sins against God that we've done, or the sins against us? This ordinance of the Lord's table, I think, is a great response. By remembering what Christ did, we are called to the action either to extend the grace that has been given to us to others, or to reject the tendency towards bitterness that we have towards others, or anxiety of ourselves, in that we have failed so badly there is no help. If you are struggling with bitterness towards others or discouragement in the face of your own past failures, the celebration of the Lord's table ought to become more of a priority in your life. Why? Because we can be reminded corporately how much God loves us and how much we've been forgiven. By remembering this, we are called to act. How can you, as a Christian, hold bitterness, hold anger towards someone else when you yourself celebrate the sacrifice made for you? How can you hold a standard, hold yourself to a standard that I am not forgivable. I have so much shame about what I've done. How can you hold yourself to that standard when you celebrate the one who put it all under the cross? You see, do this in remembrance of me is more than eating a cracker and drinking some juice and going about our way. No, remembrance of Christ is a call to action within and among. But I would also say this, and I'm going to shift gears here as far as the point of application. Okay? Remembering is not just thinking back, but it's also acknowledging that for the rest of our lives, we are going to be going about remembering. So what does that mean? 
What that means is that for the rest of your lives, especially within Christianity, within the teaching of God's word, you're going to be hearing things that you've heard before. And hearing the same thing should not trigger you to tune out. Instead, hearing the same story, hearing the same doctrine should be a call to investigate whether or not you actually believe it. Do I really believe this? Or whether or not I'm acting on that spiritual truth. Let me give you an example here. Okay. Um, in the Bible, especially like in Hebrews and in 1 Timothy, um, the, there's a picture of the Christian running a race. Okay. Now, if you've ever been to a race, any type of race, you know, there's the people doing the race, but then there's the spectators. What is the function of the spectators? Go! 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 Now, if you've ever done a race before, and you had spectators, you knew the impact those spectators had on you. But it wasn't as if those spectators were giving you any new information that helped you run that race better. Unless... There's an animal chasing you. Run! Right? Or that guy's about to pass you. But for the most part, what do spectators do? Go! Go! They see you slowing down. You can do it. Come on! You trained. Keep going. Right? But we see the value of them. We see their value. Why is that significant? Well, because, frankly, if we can take this illustration in a spiritual context, and I would say even beyond just the spiritual context of being encouraged, we often are given information, content, teaching that we already know, but we need to hear again and again and again so that we might rightly persevere in our faith. Instead of saying, fans, I know that. I know I'm supposed to go. What do you think I'm doing out here? No one looks at the fans and the spectators and says that. They're thankful. Keep going. Yes, I know I'm supposed to keep going. My body really hurts right now. Keep going. Uh, all right. I mean, in the spiritual life, and, and I'm speaking to a group as I look out over the congregation, that many of you have been studying the Bible for years and years and years and years. And you know a lot about it. And frankly, there's very little content that I could share with you that would be novel. But as I mentioned earlier before, we have to be careful about the pursuit of knowledge and in this circumstance, the study of God's word, God's word and somehow confusing the accumulation of knowledge with somehow living wisely or the accumulation of information and godliness. 1 Corinthians 13 for example, says, I can have all the secrets of the prophets and have all the mysteries of knowledge, but if I am not loving rightly, I am nothing. We don't need bigger heads in the body of Christ. God would have us to be better lovers and better worshipers and in turn, rightful learners. So why do I say that? I say that to kind of set the table for the next few weeks here at Grace Church. 
Because in the next few weeks, Pastor Tim Potter is going to be spending, and this is going to be in the month of January, he's going to be spending time talking about, teaching about, disciple-making. You know, many of you might know this, some of you might not know this. For a while now, God has given Pastor Tim and Grace Church the privilege to be able to share disciple-making with other pastors and churches. And we've held conferences, seminars, I guess you could call them, and those of you who have been able to be here on a Wednesday night, maybe you've seen people kind of walk around and looking at you funny as you're studying you know, the Bible with somebody else, and, hey, what are you doing, and how did you start? And, and so there have been people who have seen what God is doing through you, and, and they've benefited from it insofar as they've wanted to replicate a disciple-making philosophy, I would say theology, in their own churches, Okay? So that's been going on for quite some time. Why? Well, because a while back, we as a church, starting with leadership, but then matriculating all the way to the body of believers, were convinced that Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 is biblical. Go and make disciples. That's what we're called to do. And maybe you've heard that more times than you can count. And frankly, maybe you've heard that more times than you're comfortable with. At which point, we as leadership, we've heard what Pastor Tim has shared at some of these seminars. And we also are trying to keep a finger on the pulse of what's going on in the congregation. And we're like, Pastor Tim, we need to lay this out to our church. We've done that before. But there are things that you're teaching and things that we're sharing here that our church people need to know. So in the month of January, we are coming back and spending time looking at disciple-making. Now, for some, that might be a delight. Praise God. This is what we should be. But for others, that might be something that, frankly, would just be easier to tune out, especially just with the pools that Pastor Steve talked about. This topic might be brand new for some of you. Like, I've heard about this. I mean, is that the whole books that you do? Is that what that is? Well, let's come and learn. For some, it might be when you hear that term, disciple-making, you have kind of a notion of, oh, this is the way you do it, and this is how it's done, and I don't know if I totally agree with that. And so it's really good to be able to come back and revisit what it is that disciple-making is from a biblical standpoint. And are we doing this the right way? For others, it might be a reminder of something that you did at one point in time or you felt was needful at one time, but, man, things have just gotten busy or things have gotten stressful or things have gotten whatever. And so that's kind of been farmed out to others. And maybe this is a good, helpful reminder of our why that's used in our, our, our society, our society vernacular. What's your why? You ever heard that before? Okay, what's our why? It's the glory of God by making disciples here on the planet. And maybe you're unconvinced that making disciples really is something that we should do. And so by going back and being taught maybe something you've heard, maybe something that's unfamiliar, as a result, we can revisit it 
be reminded of it. And I trust, if it is in fact biblical, continue to persevere in it. This isn't a bludgeon. This isn't a war of attrition where we're going to tell you what you should do and doggone it until you do it. We're just going to keep hammering you over the head. Rather, it's the fact that we need to remember as a call to action because the time is short. And both inside and outside, we need to come around one another with truth and sometimes just tell each other what we already know but need to hear again. So as we've taken time to examine what the Bible has to say about remembering, and as we've seen remembering as a call to action, I trust that God, through his word and through his spirit, has put his finger on an area where an action is required in your life. I know he has in mind. That by remembering, we might act. Not just in a moment, not just even for today, and I would say not just for this coming year in 2022. Hopefully, one more step as we grow in Christ's likeness, okay, that we have been called to remember. Okay, let's pray. Father, thanks for this time. I trust that by visiting some things that may be familiar, God, we might be reminded, and as a result, that our hearts would be inclined to act. God, I pray that the words of my mouth would have been pleasing in your sight. I pray that what has been done here today, both in celebrating the Lord's table, both in singing, praises to you in fellowship with one another in our prayers to you God in the time looking at the word that as a result of these things you would be given glory Lord if there are some here who might be very familiar with all this but frankly don't have God as one who knows them then I ask that their heart would be inclined that they would talk to the person that brought them or that they would talk to the person that's talked to them in the past Lord, that there would be a settling of salvation. Even today, God, we desire to do things the right way, out of love, for your glory. May we do just that here in 2022.